Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to episode 36 of Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars show. Brought to you by two ruggedly handsome fellows from the north of England and Gaz. Hiya Gaz, you alright? <laughs> and me. And you. I was of course talking about our third, Mr. Dave Jenkins, our number one supporter from Gaz's work. <laughs> Thanks Dave. I'm going to give you a shout out on every episode from now <laughs> until forever so dave's now a co-host guys you're re- even though you do a lot of the talking guys you're you're relegated now to like third real states that's and, cool uh, that's cool and, and the problem is i can never have a week off because i know what'll happen you'll be like that's my seat i know how much work he does and then i'll be out and you'll be in and there'll be you and dave and mark will be gone yeah but who's that mark standing for this who was that yeah remember him what what are neil's lot saying Anyway, welcome to Spark of Rebellion. We made it less than a minute without office references this week, dude. So I want to thank everyone for putting up with us. But we've got a big show coming up. We've got a pile of news coming up. We've got a review and discussion section that is going to be quite interesting. uh, Featuring, I guess just, I I don't want to say someone from the new trilogy, but certainly someone from the original trilogy that we may or may not see returning. We'll get to that. And of course, we've got our random spotlight making its uh, long-awaited reappearance after a couple of weeks off. We give it uh, give it a little bit of time off. It's been to Mallorca. It's uh, had a little break. It's coming back nice and fresh. We are going to talk about something. I don't know if this is a new thing or not, the kind of thing that we're talking about, or whether it's an old thing that's been made new again, but we are going to get into that in a little while. So before we dig in, of course... Number one, thank you to everyone that turns up. Thank you to you, the constant listener. We're seeing our downloads actually increase. Gaz and I were talking about this just before we got on the air. And our downloads are increasing. New people are discovering the show. So thank you. If you appreciate the show and if you enjoy it, despite our office references and our terrible, terrible humor, please do tell a Star Wars loving friend that they can get this show in any of the podcast apps. Leave a rating and review. And if they really want to get involved, of course they can. Over on Patreon as well, you can support the show from as little as $1. Receive a kick-ass Spark Rebellion sticker. And also, you can, if again, if you really, really want to support the team, you can even donate a little more every month to become an exec producer of the show, which would probably mean that one of us would get relegated to fourth wheel, actually, guys. Yeah. Thinking yep, that through. see that happening, for sure. I can't have it. None of us can have a week off. Well, actually, all joking aside, <laughs> I reckon that we'll actually be a bit nervous about having a week off now. We're like, wait a sec, what's he going to do without me? This is terrible. Anyway, how are you doing, dude? What's been going on? <laughs> I'm all hunky-dory. Thank you, buddy. Uh, what's yeah, been going what's... on? So, um, yeah, thundering along on the old hype train. On it's the old good. hype train. <laughs> <laughs> loads of, um, yeah, loads of stuff coming out still uh, since we last spoke last week. There's been another TV spot with a bit of extended footage. Uh, there's been another couple of posters, one of which we'll talk about in a little while. And uh, yeah, it's just been loads of cool stuff happening still, which is great. Really, really good because they haven't haven't blown any big spoilers still, which is good. But they are uh, drip feeding out little nuggets of stuff still. So that's really good because normally the, you get the one or two trailers and that's your lot. So that's all good. Uh, I'm still playing Jedi Fallen Order. I haven't dived into as much of that as I wanted. I'm about 90% of the way through, I suppose. I've got another two or three hours worth of gameplay record on that, but I'm really enjoying that, dude. That's a cracking, uh, as all the reviews have said, and everyone who's, who's played it have said, you know, it's a cracking game, really good story. So, and I hear they're making, um, well, that the, they should be making a sequel or an, another Star Wars game. So the guys at Respawn, they're, they're hiring for, uh, game devs and designers for the Star Wars team. So they're obviously doing more Star Wars stuff, which is good. And uh, and I've also caught up on The Mandalorian, watched Chapter 5 
yesterday. So that's all good as well. Really enjoying that. And yeah, we should review that at some point, dude. We should do a Mandalorian special once all of those episodes have gone out. We should do a special um, show just to round up everything that's happened there and give our thoughts on on that stuff. Because we haven't spoken about it too much because, yeah, we're not supposed to be watching it on the shores just yet. So, yeah, when when they've all gone out. And, and also, something that's really cool. The there's I was watching, a, you know, sometimes when you jump on YouTube and you watch one video and then it suggests something else. And then before you know it, you're down the rabbit hole and you've spent like three hours. Uh, I came across this channel that had done a really good roundup of all of the Star Wars comparisons between the the Blu-ray set that was out in 2016, you know, the, the first box set they did, and the new um, Disney Plus 4K HDR versions. And they're night and day difference, man. Really, really good. So I can't wait to get, obviously, everyone in the UK is the same. We can't wait to get Disney Plus officially here. So, yeah, man, just catching up on a few bits and just angrily awaiting Disney Plus to land. What about you? It's getting like that, isn't it? The uh, Disney Plus stuff is getting uh, getting antsy, but also, obviously, ramping up to the Rise of Skywalker is just, like you said, we're just steaming ahead with this one. I mean, you know, we're recording this Tuesday the 10th, little over a week to go before we get it in the UK with the midnight screenings. Um, I'm just I'm just psyched for that. I'll be honest with you, like I've smashed a lot of Star Wars stuff out recently, like three or four books, which is great. We've mentioned it briefly last week. But I've been all about Crisis. I know it's a little bit off, but the DC stuff, I've just oh. been on, on Crisis. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, talking of DC, I watched, um, they've put the Justice League film on Amazon Prime now. Oh, I saw that. They want to take it straight back off. Yeah. I lasted... A bit longer than last time, about thirty odd minutes, I think. Do you know the frustrating thing with that is it's 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 an inch of getting Superman. It's an inch off getting Superman right. Outside the mustache, the character, and I, like I was a huge fan of the twenty thirteen film, and yeah, you know there were parts of Dawn of Justice. The, I mean, the director's cut is far better, but like that Superman and that Batman, Affleck's Batman is the most badass Batman we've seen. Um, but they only shine at the end of Dawn of Justice. As their true characterizations, and and then Justice League, but then <laughs> I, j- I just thought that they were the only saving grace with that film was that they were just within one inch of getting a quality Superman that was almost the character that we expect, um, and then you know, then that, <laughs> and then that. Crap. But you're hyped up for the uh, Infinite Earth stuff, eh? Is it Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, right. big yep. time, man. I love that stuff, as you know, the old two-shot show. Like I said, I, I predicted that way back in those days. You said did. they were going to do this, yeah. take all the movies, all the different TVs, and uh, and turn them into a multiverse, and they did it. And they've got <laughs> Tom Welling back from Smallville and Brandon Rouse playing Superman. They've got Burt Ward back. They've got the guy from Batman 89 with Keaton back. They're like, it's insane what they've pulled off with it. It's, it's fantastic. So that's got me through this Star Wars lull this week. The guy from Smallville, what's his name? Tom uh, Welling. Tom Welling, yeah. He was in the, uh, there's a show called Lucifer. Yeah, yeah, that's DC yeah. as well. Yeah, so he was in uh, He was in that. He played one of the police sergeants or whatever. And when they announced that he was going to be a, coming back, I thought, well, he wants to trim up a little bit because he, <laughs> he, he stocked out pretty big. Uh, I can't <laughs> see him wearing the Superman suit, put it that way, <laughs> yeah. dude. You know? Yeah. You have to get back on the old protein shakes and the old... Uh, Stair lift, stair climber, whatever it's called. Peloton. Get up. Whatever. Get on the old Peloton. Oh, don't mention them. They've had a bad week, haven't they, with the Black Friday oh. and the Christmas ads. Sorry, investors. But yeah, Sorry. Tom, well, I don't. I can't see him being in the suit, but uh, it's really badass what they've put together. Mm. Really, really good what they've put together. Um, so that's got me through. But let's get back to Star Wars, a galaxy far, far away. And let's dig into some news this week. We've actually got four bits of news. Um... The first one is another poster. You know, last week, obviously, for anyone listening um, that was that was into into <laughs> the deep discussion <laughs> about the posters, because we did get quite deep on them, and uh, there's actually a number of posters that have come out this week, and 
these two in particular caught people's eye. I think you put this on Trello, but there was also another one, which I'll mention as well, um, which I've not got a link to because I'm terrible as a planner. But there was another one that I'm going to mention in a little while. But the bottom line is a couple of extra posters, um, I think from Australia, certainly this time. Um, one of them is very design-led. It almost feels it's not of that ilk, but it feels a bit Matt Ferguson, a little bit like, even like the old school Ollie Moss stuff that used to fly around when he did Dark Knight Rises and all that sort of stuff. It's got that vein to it. Then the other one has got a very old school painted feel to it using, you know, the typeface, the saga continues. I mean, that is a very typical Star Wars story. Um, so we'll stick the link in the show notes. If you're wondering what we're talking about, hit your screen on your, on your listening device, check out the show notes, click the link, and take a look at these posters with us. Um, so, guys, the top one, the original looking, the OT looking one, the painted one. What are we saying, dude? Yeah, I love this one. I'm, a, I'm, ju- I think I'm just a sucker for the old school, uh, painted, uh, just hand drawn style posters. I think it just harks back to those those really old original trilogy posters that they used to knock out before the days of digital art and uh, Wacom Cintiqs and all that stuff. You know, the artists just had their good old traditional stuff so uh, i'm not saying this was probably done um afterwards a bit of tinkering with some digital stuff but i do love this style and i think it suits i think it just suits star wars because they set that precedent very early on all of those original posters just look badass and and when they do the style of poster in it you know it's an obvious um call back to those ones i think it just suits the 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 hot it doesn't matter which trilogy it comes from it just suits star wars very very well so uh, yeah, I'm loving that the this is the Australian exclusive by uh, an artist called Hugh Fleming. So he's done a great job on this. And uh, the only one needed to do a little criticism, I would say, is that I don't think he's quite nailed Finn Finn's expression or his face a hundred percent. Other than that, everyone else looks pretty good. And I love the Kylo the Kylo Ren uh, uh, face at the back with his eye looking out of his broken mask. It looks really good. So I assume you like this one. You're a sucker for those style as well. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said there, including the Finn face. They've just <laughs> not quite nailed the the aesthetics of and the, 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 the layout of Finn's bone structure is a little bit off. And this is a poster by Hugh Fleming, um, Hugh Fleming Art. And it, it looks good. I think the only thing that I would say as well is it looks as if something's been taken out at the bottom left. <laughs> you read my it's mind, did it's almost like there's a little teaser of some other character in there that, that needs to be put back in for a another version. Um, but definitely a fan of the Kylo stuff, which harks back to the, um, the, 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 the chat last week that this is obviously the duality of Kylo that we're going to see in this. Um, I think it's becoming clearer and clearer. But yeah, I love, love the artwork. But yeah, I mean, what, what's going on with that bottom left? It feels, I mean, you've got two droids, BB-8 and R2, that seem to be kind of thrown in there. Um, they, they look a little bit incongruous to the rest of the art when you when you see it as it is now. With something in that area, you can see why they would be placed there. So it almost feels like there is something that's been removed from that bottom left. Yeah, and you've got C-3PO's just floating head as well. Mm. So maybe his body was there in the poster, but it was a bit distracting, like Finn's arm with the blaster and stuff. Lucasfilm like, now nah, take him out. It look, just looks odd, doesn't it? It does a little bit. It's still a, it's still a cracking poster. It's just, yeah, just oh, it's m- composition. Yeah. It, yeah. it yeah. is. And it, yeah, the logo placement's a little bit odd for me as well, the white on white, but that's on, that's real nitpicking. You know, that's real nitpicking. That is a bit of a a thing, because it would have it would have suited being further down and moving the... Uh, I've forgotten the, the female character we're going to see in this film. She's at the bottom uh, with the goggles on her head. They could have moved her up a bit and then sort of dark and faded the dark back out on the bottom of the logo down and all that stuff. But, you know, everybody can't be designer geniuses like us, can they? Exactly, mate. God, exactly. What are they even thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why they're getting the work. Yeah, yeah. they're not. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, um, there's another poster on this, uh, on this uh, post as well, which is, um, by a company called SG posters. Uh, I think you mentioned a bit more of a design led sort of, ollie moss early days kind of poster which i'm not uh, not too keen on this one but it's not too bad no it's it's just for the designers that isn't it it's for that that kind of setup it uh it, it does it lends a an interesting um 
extra layer of conversation there because there was another another Instagram post that I saw, um, and I think Star Wars, the official account, posted it, and it was the Armada, the Imperial and or the First Order Armada against one ship, which I thought was interesting. Like, they were all coming down from the top. The one ship was upwards, pointing upwards, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. But the interesting thing was the Imperial Armada or the First Order Armada had the red stripes on you. Remember from the Old Republic? They didn't oh, yeah. have the yeah. flattened... They didn't have the flattened ends. They still had the quite the pointy ends um, on the ships, but the Star Destroyers had the, that red and grey mm-hmm. colour palette from the Republic. So I... I don't know what was going on with that one. And then pitching it against the entire Armada against one small ship, I thought was interesting. Don't know what that's saying about it, but, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, maybe it's symbolic. And the little X-Wing looked good as well. It's like an orangey flavour to it as well. It wasn't a typical grey and red or grey and blue. So that was different as well. Yeah, it was actually, now you mention it. Yeah. Mm. So there's a lot of poster goodness going on. Um, quite interesting stuff. Um, but like I said, if you've not checked these posters out, we will stick a link in the show notes, so don't worry about that. Bring them up on your phone. Have a gander. Let, let us know what you think. You can do that on the socials, actually. Let us know. Search for Spark of Rebellion on the socials. Let us know what you think of the posters, whether you like them, whether you dislike them, whether you think something's going wrong in that bottom left-hand corner or someone been removed. Let us know what you think. Spark of Rebellion. Do a search for us on all the socials and give us a little uh, little a little bit of your feedback. So the next bit of news, my man, is our favourite princess, Leia, CGI-free, as we know, in The Rise of Skywalker. Well, the editor of The Rise of Skywalker has come out this week, I think actually today as we're recording this, maybe yesterday, and spoken quite candidly about the editing, and, and in particular, the lack of CGI when it comes to Carrie Fisher's character, Princess Leia, and in particular, even further, the idea that what they've done with Leia, with that reused footage from um, The Force Awakens, Episode 7, apparently it's startling. Apparently it's just shockingly good what they've done with it. So this is quite curious, man, because it's rare that you get an editor coming out before a film and saying something like this, of this magnitude, with a film of this magnitude. Um, the editor in question has got serious pedigree, you know, done a lot of high-caliber work, and it just... It just struck me as an odd thing for the press team to allow out insofar as, you know, what's the benefit of this? What's the what's the reasoning for this? Is it, is it you know, are we reassuring people? Because they've come out and really hyped it, man. Um, so what do you make of this? Yeah, it's, um, I was surprised as well to see, because normally it's very controlled, isn't it? The, the, the press stuff that goes out there in the run up to any film, I suppose but especially for something like Star Wars, any because of what Star Wars fandom is in general, is that any particular, even just a, a word or a sentence can be misconstrued and you know things can blow up and stuff. So it's very interesting. And it's what's even more interesting to me is we're, what, two weeks out now? No, we're a week and a half, just under a week and a half out from release. And this article went out yesterday, and Marianne, who's the editor, is basically saying that we're still putting the finishing touches to the film, and it's out in a week and a bit. Like, and they actually, it was. I love how they kind of suffix that with, but that's quite typical for a film like this. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, yep, we know we've hit the iceberg, but that's quite <laughs> typical for the Arctic Ocean. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> you, you, yeah, you still hit the damn iceberg. You know exactly that. Yeah, I was shocked at that. I would have thought that that stuff would have been done with a week and a bit out of a global you know release. Be, don't you? So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Lucas. Yeah, He's got, back. Yeah. It's like, I've learned from this, lads and lasses. <laughs> what we're going to do, rather than tinker with it for the next 20 years, we're going to tinker with it before. Let's do this. You know I mean? So you're going to have McClunkies in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be... Uh, Ray shot first. It's all It's all going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's fiddled with it already. Yep. But no, it's cool though that she goes on to say that we uh, we were very careful to be respectful and absolutely true to her. She's beautiful in the film. It's shockingly successful. So it sounds like the way that they've done it has worked. Like bang on, it's paid off. Because it would have been a disaster, let's be honest. It would have It would have passed. It would have been okay if they did a CG version, but it would have been a bit of a a bit of a disaster. So the fact that they've made it work and, you know, she's not the only one that said we covered this uh, two episodes ago. Somebody else said that 
the the way that they've done it is just so good it fits almost perfectly so i'm glad of that because that would have been that would have been one of the things that if it hadn't have gone right fans would have latched onto and that would have been one of its uh, kind of things hanging over its head forevermore like oh yeah that film was really good but christ let's not talk about the awful cg layer it would have been one of those conversations so i'm glad that they've got her in respectfully and they've not tinkered with any cg stuff it's good man yeah it is it is so we'll see how that pans out it's, it's quite reassuring uh, that that is the case and like you say i think everyone would have understood the use of cgi uh, in this context, it's not like Superman's mustache that we talked about earlier in Justice League. It's 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 a, a well. It would have been a well reasoned use of CGI, um, but at the same time, I think you're right. I think it's 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 the fandom will be grateful in the long term that it's probably not being used. Um, speaking of things that um, we are, I guess some of us are grateful for, and some of us aren't grateful for. The Last Jedi is still making the rounds, and still. I just still riling folk up. You know, it's John Boyega now. Finn, the forgetful, the forgetful scoundrel who leaves scripts all over the place. He, uh, he's been doing the rounds in the interviews. You know what it's like. He's, I think he and Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac are doing the rounds these days for Rise of Skywalker, a bit of pre-press. And there's been a lot kicking around coming out of those press junkets. And most recently... John Baega today, I think, has come out and said that even The Last Jedi made him feel a little, quote-unquote, iffy. Now, he says a little bit more in this article, you know, not to be taken out of context, but I think he, you know, he, he he's kind of getting at some of the stuff that we spoke about over the last few episodes around maybe this sequel trilogy didn't quite feel like a Star Wars trilogy. Um, it feels like that's the context that he's speaking in, which is that... The original trilogy felt like, you know, you had the trifecta, Han, Leia, and, and Luke. And, you know, even though it was Luke's story, they always felt like a team. And what he's saying is that they, 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 they effectively built a really solid base in The Force Awakens that perhaps Ryan Johnson didn't build on by shipping Finn off to Canto Bight and, and, and just not really building so much on what had been laid down in The Force Awakens and that, you know, that made him feel a little bit iffy and that he discussed that with Hamill and, 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 and so on. And I get it. You know, I get it. It's not, I'm, what am I trying to say? Again, I'm surprised at this point in time with the rise of Skywalker 11 days out that this is out, that this has come out because any press is negative press in, in that light. Um, coupled with the Daisy Ridley stuff, you know, that whole privilege argument that is circling, you know, was she privileged, was she not, or should she just own that, should she not own it? You start to put these things together and the, just the halo effect becomes weird around the rise of Skywalker. Um, so yeah, bit of a brain dump there, but that, that's what's happened. That's what Bayega's come out and said. Fair enough, we're all allowed opinions. And he says in the article, you know, fans do get really angry when he debates Star Wars like a fan with them. He feels that they... You know, they're being attacked when he's just having a natural Star Wars dig-in debate. And he, uh, yeah, he's been quite earnest in that. So, again, what do you make of that one, dude? What, what's, uh, you know, what's going on there? Yeah, it's it's cool. It's funny, in a way, because uh, John Bayoga, when, when you watch any interview that he's done over the years, whether it's radio or talk show, whatever, he's always been very, he's always been very truthful about his feelings towards Star Wars in general or certain people and characters and so on. So that's all good. It's that's not unexpected, but like you said, it is kind of weird that whoever's controlling the the PR and all that stuff have allowed this to go live. Uh, you know, like you said 11 days out from the Rise of Skywalker. So that's kind of weird because you if anything was to happen, cuz remember when Solo came out, I didn't do too well. And a lot of people have traced that back to, well, because The Last Jedi was essentially just crapped all over Star Wars, you know, that's the general consensus, that had a knock-on effect and people just weren't too fussed about Solo. You, you really don't want anything to add fuel to that kind of, that, you know, train of events. So if for whatever reason The Rise of Skywalker doesn't do too well, the last thing you want is people pointing fingers saying, well, that's because we had interviews going out a week before with actors essentially, you know, dumping all over the, you know, the last film and everything. So I'm kind of surprised that it's gone out now and not, you know, a few days afterwards and just contained it. But on the other hand, you have to appreciate the honesty that's going on. It's not just a bunch of 
actors being yes men being like yeah star wars is just amazing you know it's all fantastic you know it's all perfect so you have to appreciate the honesty there i suppose and uh, and john's really good at that he's kind of he treads the line quite good of being diplomatic and then also giving his proper opinion so i like it and he's quite funny as well when he goes on to say uh, i have fans who hate the who hates the films and uh, he'll be rude. Someone will be d- rude directly to me and I'll be rude back. And then they start crying. And then I'm like, why are you attacking me? You know, like he said, he's kind of, he takes that approach uh, sometimes as a fan rather than an actor who starred in star Wars. So he's a cool guy though. He's a cool guy. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's just enjoying fandom. He just loves it. You know, he's digging in and maybe it's sort of a, like a double bluff anti PR piece where, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's all like, well, you know, Last Jedi wasn't great, so why don't we come out and say, yeah, we know it wasn't great, but we fixed it. You know, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's just me being overly cynical, but, you know. Maybe. Wouldn't be the, fir- yeah. wouldn't be the first time, would it, that kind of thing's happened. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, so, I, this is kind of a weird one, this next news piece. It's kind of, I feel like we're bashing Rise of Skywalker today. Or we aren't. We're reporting things that could potentially bash it. Because this next piece doesn't do so well for it. Which is to say that Disney's released uh, a, a statement saying that some of the scenes and some of the um, the lighting and the sustained use of flashing lighting and, and, and that kind of setup in the photography, flashing lights, that kind of imagery, could trigger photosensitive epileptic seizures and attacks um, when watching The Rise of Skywalker. So, I mean, again, it just seems like... I know they've got to announce that. Like, if that is the case, they've, they can't not announce it. But, I mean, again... Do you want that 10 days out? Weird one, isn't it? It's a weird one. Yeah, it is a weird one. And like you said, it's another thing to add to the list of stuff that you shouldn't be doing 10 days out from a from a, a movie release. And it's a bit of a I'm not sure on the on the 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 legislation around this. So if you're a, a movie studio putting out a film and you know that there are potentially um you know, see, you know, scenes that could cause seizures and so on. Do you have to legally say like up front? Cause I'm, I'm, I haven't seen many films in the past that have done that. It's always been, uh, I know that they do it on TV. So I think broadcasting and that sort of thing, I think they have to say the following, you know, has flashing lights and is a problem for people with epilepsy and so on. I, I know they have to do that legally, but I'm not sure about cinema releases or if they have to put it on the, the posters and so on. So it's good in a way because, you know, you don't want kids or adults, whatever, you know, going, having seizures in the cinema. That's not good. So it's good in a way that they've done it up front. But like I said, it's also like, oh, this is just another thing. I'm not saying it's negative, but it's another thing that's not exactly positive in the run up to the run up to the launch. So it is a weird one. Um, but maybe that's why they're putting out so many TV spots and all the rest of it to kind of overshadow these little necessary announcements. Maybe it's weird. Yeah, it is an odd one. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause that's the thing, isn't it? If you don't announce it and then you get reports of like three people across the U S have had seizures on the opening night, uh, it becomes, which is the rise of Skywalker. Is that the one that like gives people seizures? Yeah. You know, that's the last thing that you want as well, isn't it? It's this weird, yeah, do you get ahead of it? Do you just announce it beforehand with the, you know, okay, after the after the green screen, this preview has been approved for broadcast. But is it just, by the way, heads up, like at that point? So at least you're not preparing people to not go see it. You know, it just, I agree. I agree with what you're saying there. I never thought about it like that. It feels like there probably is a better way to do it. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're past the old days as well. I remember, not me personally, I wasn't old enough, but when The Exorcist came out, and there was all those people passing out in the cinema and people throwing up and, and all that stuff. They used that as good press. Like when the newspapers were saying, oh, everyone's going nuts about this film. People are freaking out and passing out. The filmmakers, they were loving it. They're like, this is free press. Like we want people to go and pass out. This is great. So I guess they can't be like that anymore. They have to be a bit more sort of health and safety, I suppose. But yeah, there's probably better I also- ways. Yeah. 
I also think the marketing angle of those lightsaber scenes were that good that they made me have an epileptic seizure is probably not the same reaction <laughs> as it was that scary I passed out. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a very different <laughs> message. Uh, slightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. That's genius. On, on the next re-release poster. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, the, light, the lightsaber scenes were that good. They gave me a seizure. Boom. I like it. Okay. Thanks, Kathleen. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the that's the news wrap up. Um, so yeah, just be mindful of all that stuff uh, as, as it's coming down the wire to the Rise of Skywalker. It's um, it's going to be interesting to see what that does because if you look at some of the reports as well, like it's tracking for the worst opening of any other saga, um, which. I don't know. There was a lot of talk about the review embargoes really lifting that. Like if if the review embargo is lifted and people really then are reviewing it well, that's probably going to change. If not, and it does actually, the critics do pan it a little bit, then it's going to die a death. So we've got a just a pain with the age that we live in, isn't it? You know, it's not like 1999 or even 2005 when Revenge of the Sith came out. It's a whole different world these days. Um, in any other era, in the past, any Star Wars film would have just been off the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, it's nuts, really. But we shall see, we shall see. So we're going to shift gear into the review and discussion section, and we're going to discuss one of our favourite original trilogy characters, who may or may not make an appearance in The Force, uh, not The Force Awakens, in The Rise of Skywalker. And this is why it's very interesting, insofar as uh, there's a lot of untapped stories i think with this character and this character of course is someone that we're going to get to last week the one the only mr wedge antilles and it's interesting this one dude because he's cropped up you know he was in the original trilogy um there was that whole kind of craziness about him being replaced halfway through and different actors all that kind of interesting stuff around a new hope uh, a very key player in the original trilogy in terms of the story but actually not that much screen time you know, very, very key supporting character. Um, and then it seems that with the new canon as well, if we look at clone, uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels and everything else that's gone before it, and then some of the follow-up books, Resistance Reborn, like Wedge is in there. He's in the mix all the time, isn't he? He's been in the Aftermath books. He was hooked up with Snap Wexley's mum, uh, Nora, and he's just, like he's always there. He's like, he's just omnipresent as a character. So... Very, very interesting, and, and there's a lot of teasing around him being in The Rise of Skywalker, but nothing formally announced. He's not on any posters. Maybe he's missing from the bottom left of that corner that, that corner of the poster from earlier. I don't know. Um, but Wedge Antilles, dude, he must, be, uh, he must be pretty close to your heart, giving you an OT guy. Yeah, old Wedge. Wedgie. Old, uh, old Wedgie. Pretty good rep. Yeah, I wonder how he got that. Yeah, I'm not going to say if his namesake is, if he was known for doing that. In the academy. <laughs> That's how he got the nickname. Is <laughs> yeah. here. Wedge is here. Here we go. Wedges all round. Oh, it, <laughs> yep. It, here he is. He's behind Touchy. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <Wedgie>. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, old Wedge. He's um. He was really cool. Uh, watching whenever I watch uh, a new hope, and the old uh, attack on the Death Star and the trench run and everything. He's um. He's just, uh, he's like, he's one of the solid pilots, if you know what I mean. He's one of the guys that, certainly not a rookie, knows how to handle himself. And and obviously the focus is on Luke around that whole scene, you know. But he's one of the guys that, that uh, he's one of the guys. And actually saves Luke as well, doesn't he? He's the guy when, when Luke's trying to do his thing and he's got the old TIE fighter on his back. I can't shake him. Wedge is like... Watch out. Just watch, just watch this. You want to talk about flying? <laughs> Luke, move over, mate. Wedgie's Coming here. Wedgie's here. Uncle Wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's really cool. So I remember those scenes very clearly uh, from, from the, the OT days. And it was really cool to see him pop up uh, in Star Wars Rebels as well. That was very cool. Uh, I don't know if you remember back to Rebels when uh, he was in the... Uh, or was it was it him or is uh well it was him wasn't it in rebels yeah yeah there's that really cool episode if i remember where he's he sort of joins he sort of has an alliance with uh with um with Wass's face 
Ezra and those two break out of actually no does he leave does he leave him there as like a an undercover person in in the academy or do they both make a break for it because I know that half I think he leaves him doesn't he I think he leaves him doesn't yeah and then he sees him later like they renew do they reunite later that's right in the next series they see yeah that's right yes yeah uh, so it was really cool to see that character again pop up in Rebels. And then the book that you've read and I've just finished, um, uh, uh, Alliance Reborn, it was really cool to see him in his later life as well. So we've seen him very much in, you know, as a kid in Rebels and then uh, and then as a, in his prime, I think is the best word to say it, in um in the Battle of Yamin. And then we get to see him, or read about him, should I say, as an older person. So he's settled down, he's got his missus, he's got his little farm area and everything. And then his kid turns up and essentially is like, you know, I know you're settled down and you're retired, but, you know, Leia needs you. So it's all sort of kicks off and then he's back into action and everything. So he's, a, he's kind of a, he's an interesting character in that respect, in that he doesn't really get a lot of spotlight, but he's consistently there through you know the extended universe which was then cancelled but then some of the extra medium that we've seen like the animation and books and stuff so he doesn't exactly get a lot of spotlight but he's a consistent sort of anchor um for the rebellion and the resistance and so on so i think he's a very cool character and i'd love to see him pop up in the rise of skywalker i'd love to see not just a cameo but a decent little chunk of time for him because it would just be really cool because you know, AJ, JJ does the whole fan service thing pretty well. So I wouldn't be surprised if we have a, a nice reunion or emotional moment with, with him. So yeah, I think he's a cool guy very much. So I agree, man. I think he's got that kind of mystery that Han Solo had pre solo. And I think that, that Boba Fett still to a degree has where he was, I think that's been blown out of proportion a little bit, but certainly that whole original Boba Fett idea that he was just like, who is this thing? What is this? What's, what's this? And he's got that kind of mystique, but he's got an anchor point in the Star Wars original trilogy and then throughout. And I, I, I agree with you totally. I love how they threaded him in and they didn't just disregard him. In, in Aftermath, the Chuck Wendig novels uh, were very interesting to me because it was like, okay, what's the tail-off period? What happens after Endor? And, you know, you've got someone that's been entrenched in this life for such a long time. What do they do afterwards? And I thought it was good that they addressed that um, and that they brought Snap Wexley back for the Force, even though it's just, you know... He's obviously played by Abraham's best mate or whatever it is, but still, they brought the character back. They added some continuity, and he's one of those characters, like you said, where if they're truly putting a cap on things, it'd be very difficult to imagine him not just having even just a two-minute cameo and just you know, here I am, I'm one of the pilots again, you know, and that that's the key. I think we're probably going to see him in a um, him and Snap Wexley probably in the cockpit of an X-wing um, each, and it, it becomes that true, okay. This is this is the passing of the torch because look, this guy's still got it, but you know maybe he's not the one that can kind of do the crazy stuff anymore. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see how that pans out. I'm very curious about it because I do, I think that I think there's a lot of opportunity for Star Wars outside of like if you think this saga finishing up now, there's a lot of opportunity for new stories. But there are so many stories with these characters that can still be told, um, and to get guys like you and me really interested from a continuity perspective. You know, I, I think it's clear that we're not done with the Skywalker saga era characters because there's just there's too much money on the table, and Wedge feels like one of those guys that will just keep cropping up. You know, every ten years, his character gets another little bit of history or another little bit of law. Um, I don't think you're far off the money, dude, on on this one. Um, that he'll be back in Rise of Skywalker. I'm going to throw you a curveball because we're only 10 days out and you've answered this before. I'm going to just see if we're going to revisit it with your gut feeling answer. Is Obi-Wan in Rise of Skywalker? Yep. All right, that's his gut feeling answer. And he looks like Obi-Wan today um, because I think he's sat on a Tuscan Raider. So you are, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> if you were. Anyway, okay, you've heard it here first. Gaz said it again that we're going to see Obi-Wan. Uh, but we're wrapping up on Wedge. Wedge is a really interesting character, so let's hope we do see him. Go and watch the Rebels episode that he's in. Uh, he's in a few of them, actually. Go and check him out in Rebels. Yes. He's, uh, yeah. 
he's all over the place in that. And it's good because it digs into his Imperial Academy background as well. Let's be honest, though. He's turned to the Rebellion very, very quickly. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but have you thought about joining the Rebellion? He's like, oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. The Rebellion, what was that again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that. That's where I meant to go. Forgot about that, actually. Yeah. She has left him. Forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> Series three, if I remember, from Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, and he crops up a couple of times throughout, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think he pops back up in season four when they reunite. Um, so, Absolutimon, go and check it out if you've not already. Check Rebels out, I'm sure you have it if you're a bigger Star Wars fan as we are. Now, as we enter the twilight of our episode, we are going to just quickly remind you that you can, of course, become a patron to the wonderful Sparker Rebellion podcast. We put a lot of time into this, but we love doing it, so it's never a chore. But if you want to buy us a beer, if you want to just kind of say thank you, if you want to get involved, if you want to come on and record your own random spotlight, if you want to come on and just grab a hold of some exec producer credit. You can do that at patreon.com slash spark of rebellion. And everything, everything starts from just $1 per month. So please go and check it out. Listener support means so very much. Now, recently, we've been overwhelmed by love for a certain little character that has cropped up in a brand new TV show over on Disney+. Plus. Now, I'm not saying that we have or we haven't seen this. Um, although I feel like we might have given that game away much earlier. But The Mandalorian hit the screens, of course, earlier in November when Disney Plus launched over in the US. And it brought with it a lot of new Star Wars lore. It brought with it a lot of revisited lore, uh, certainly in some of the more recent episodes. But one thing that's been constant throughout it has been the use of some of the Mandalorian traditions and some of the Mandalorian um, archetypes that we've seen throughout not only uh, the Clone Wars, but also, again, into Star Wars Rebels and through the original trilogy with Boba Fett and and the prequels, uh, contentiously sometimes with Jango and the clones. And one of those things, at the centre of it, certainly with the Mandalorian, one of the big, I wouldn't say it's been a plot device, but it's certainly been running alongside everything as quite an important piece of the puzzle, has been the Mando's armour, which is crafted from... Beskar, 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 the iron, the material, the metal that is, uh, I guess it's kind of like in in earth terms, it's sort of a titanium style metal, isn't it? It's this pretty badass metal that can withstand bolts of laser fire from a decent distance and generally is the thing that the Mandalorians uh, are known for and, and the thing that we're used to seeing them in. So Beskar is the random spotlight of the week. And uh, what do you make of this? You got a stash of Beskar in that little cabinet behind you there, guys? Uh, I would like to have some. The way that they, the way that they show it in the Mandalorian is very cool. So the there's a scene where I, it's episode one, where he goes to get the bounty, which ends up being the baby Yoda. And the what? The baby Yoda. The what? The baby Yoda. The spoiler. Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, the spoiler Yoda, yeah. The um the the guy who gives him the bounty has basically got these really cool looking um tablets or whatever you call them. Uh gold. Well not uh, like Beskar bars, if you like. And the way they've designed it is really cool. So they've got these bars, they're about the size of I don't know, an iPad. No. They're about the size of an iPhone Max, something like that. But they've got this really cool wavy kind of design across the the front it just looks so nice uh obviously spoiled a little bit by the imperial stamp on it but it's really cool bounty hunting is a complicated business it's a complicated but yeah that guy or profession that's what it says isn't it yeah yeah and yeah so it just looks really cool i'd love to have a stack of those yeah yeah that'd be very cool and yeah i like the i like that in that show they've hinted at things from Mandalorian history or Mandalorian culture or whatever, but they haven't dived into it explicitly and, you know, given us tons of exposition and everything. So it's really cool that they've uh, that they've explored a few of these things. But I like that in the earlier episodes, the the person that the Mandalorian goes to see when his arm has been busted up and he's come back and he's taken the... When he shoots up everybody in that guy's... Um, house whatever excuse me and then he just takes all of the the best car anyway the the person i don't know who it is it's like the leader of that mandalorian clan it looks like or the forger that makes all the armor uh it was really cool because i thought he was just going to come out of there with a new helmet or something or maybe just a new 
shoulder piece or a shoulder pauldron or something. But when he comes out and he's decked out in all the new Beskar, that looks really sweet. He just looks so badass in all that new shiny. And he shiny walks into the pub, into the camp, into the cantina, like with like basically in his new trainers. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Someone's like, right, we're going to christen that, shoot him in the head. Yeah, (laughs) his new kicks, yeah. And he's he's just got no shame either. He just bowls in. He's like, no words needed, lads. He is. Everyone's like, someone's being paid, paid here, blown all his brass, gets one job. Um, Do you know one cool thing about the Mandalorian, um, on that note with the best guy, is that... It sounds, you know, when he got the new shoulder piece mm-hmm. in the first episode, which we've not seen, but the first episode, he um, he then uses the remainder to sponsor another family or another kid or another warrior or another something, which I thought was interesting because that was such a throwaway comment. But it was because of how the Mandos and, and if, if he indeed is a Mandalorian or what, how... They are underground like the humans in Terminator in the future. Like that whole idea of him using that leftover as a sponsorship for something else. It was fleeted over. It be- you know, there was barely anything in there mentioned. But I thought that concept, holy, I mean, that's a series on its own. Just that exploring that concept. Um, so very, very cool, man. Plays quite a pivotal role, doesn't it? It does indeed, yeah. And what's also cool that is that they, this could have been um it this could have been very much a a boba fett style of program because he's obviously the most famous arguably mandalorian so this could have been just a you know this is you know this is what mandalorians do it's very boba fett style but i like the fact that they've differentiated this mandalorian character from him because the boba fett that we saw in the movies in the ot is very ruthless like no way is he going to give up his bounty or his target for anything. Whereas this guy, he's shown some heart, hasn't he? He's given up. He's gone against the guild. He's taken the baby, the baby Yoda and stuff. So he's got like a, he's got a conscience and a soul, and you know that's very different to Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. So I, I like how they've they've gone down that route. And like you said, there are a few things in here that, especially that whole underground thing, that could have been an at least an episode all by itself, if not, you know, a whole series of that stuff, how they ended up there and, and all that stuff. So, but yeah, the best guard does, it does play at the moment, not necessarily a big plot device, like you said, but it is quite important to his character and the things that he does and how he moves forward throughout the series. So, and I love it, man. I, lo- I love the, especially the fresh, the fresh best guard that's just been done and polished and stuff. It just looks awesome. I love it. Yeah, it does, man. And it's interesting as well from um, what you said there about the you know the whole community aspect of it, and you see it in episode three or four, whenever it is when the Mandos come to um, the the rescue of the Mandalorian. I mean, that's a badass scene, and he's he's you know he's like gotta get me one of those with a jetpack, <laughs> and it's just I feel like you know season two might be exploring that the 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 the, the, the re. The, I guess the re-emergence of the Mandalorian culture. You know, we, they've talked about a purge. I might be going mad here, but I don't recall seeing anything about a Mandalorian purge outside of like Death Watch and some of the fighting that went on in um, like some of the comics around like Darth Maul and Ahsoka on the Mandalorian Wars. Like, I, I don't recall anything specifically stating a purge. I mean, you had a war, but a purge is like a Jedi purge. Mm. I just, I don't know if I'm missing something, maybe from my own mind but i can't recall a purge anywhere so i feel like there may be something interesting in that because i guess since since rebels continuity so pre a new hope just about you know sabine wren she was a mandalorian um and and one of the clan one of the kind of tribal mandalorians which i assume these mandalorians are a tribe of mandalorians um there hasn't been anything except boba fett so that's, I mean, that's a huge time frame to explore if you want to take it right up to Rise of Skywalker. But even now, it's, you know, from Rebels to where the Mandalorian is set. That's what, nine years, eight years? Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons in there, man. So this is, it's very interesting. I think you're bringing up that community angle and him, him giving back and not being a Boba Fett character. I, I do feel like you've struck onto something there that will be explored maybe later. Absolutely, mate. It's one of those, uh, 
it's one of those things where you think you know a lot about it. It's like, oh yeah, Boba Fett and the Mandalorians and they've been in Rebels and stuff. It's all good. But when you actually dig into it a little bit, it's like, hold on. Yeah. When, when was his purge? Why did that come about? And what's all that stuff? So it's kind of like an open book, really. There's so much you can tell and create around that whole culture and, and just Mandalore in general. It's, it's a bit of a gold mine, really. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's the beauty of the original trilogy and even the prequels. You know, the, the the sequel trilogy has done it a little bit less, but, you know, that throwaway line that will then spur just a massive arm of the continuity. You know, things like the Clone Wars. You know, your father fought in the Clone Wars. And you're like, what, <laughs> what are the Clone Wars? What are they? And then, you know, they don't touch you for 30 years. I, it's interesting to me. I agree with you that, that, you know, that could span an entire arm of, of, of continuity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, best guy who's mentioned in Rebels, it's... it's, it's um, it's part of Sabine Wren's kind of tactics when she overtakes, or she she becomes part of the leader of Clan Wren um, from her parents and a family in Rebels as well. Beskar does factor into that according to uh, Wikipedia and Star Wars fandom. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's got a bit of heritage. It, you know, it's featured in Legends as well to a degree. Uh, so Beskar is the random spotlight of the week, mainly because we've seen the Mandalorian and we're really <laughs> cool. And wanted to do something from the Mandalorian, so I, I think it's pretty cool, man. And I'm sure we'll be revisiting that TV show for more random spotlights. Um, so if you are a patron, and if you do support us on Patreon, and it is in your commitment tier that you get to choose a random spotlight, go ahead. If you've watched the Mandalorian, is there anything that you want to discuss on the random? We can do that. All right. So whew, another episode, dude. We're wrapped. Episode 36. We're flying through them. We are indeed. It's uh, and it's great that we've got everything in this week as well because you and I have been very busy the last month, I would say. So it's great to uh, to put the review and discussion and get round to the random spotlight. It's good, good, good stuff. And uh, it's also good because in the run up to the Rise of Skywalker, there's loads of news to talk about, loads of stuff that just adds another little notches up the the speed of the hype train a little bit more. So yeah, it's just great to um to be talking about Star Wars more. Stuff. Do you know what we should do? We should, over Christmas, after Rise of Skywalker, we should do, jump on a train from where you live, get a beer, come to the studio, we'll get a few people in the studio, we'll have a roundtable live podcast discussion for an episode. We should definitely do that, that'd be awesome. Christmas time, guys and Star Wars, <laughs> like that. Mm. As, long as, you, uh, as long as you go home and get your guitar, so you can sing that live. Yeah. Oh, she left you yet? Yeah, I left him. We did so well. <laughs> we did. So we did all right. We went from less than a minute to getting through fifty minutes without an office quote. Anyway, thanks, mate. That's always a pleasure. We've had a good time uh, doing what we do. Uh, so, if you want to join us next week, you can. We'll be coming out the same bat time, the same bat channel. It's always fun. And if you want to support us on Patreon, go ahead and do so. You can go and check it out. SparkerRebellion.com is our website with a link to the Patreon account on there. You can get all of the episodes on there. And of course, you can rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. And find us on the socials. Do a search for Sparker Rebellion. And uh, just as always, thanks for joining us. Gaz and I mentioned at the beginning, uh, before we were talking, that the episode numbers are going up, the downloads are going up, people are listening, and we appreciate you for doing that. So thank you so very much for doing that. And uh, Gaz, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And I want to echo what Mark just said. Thank you so much for all of you that listen to the show. It's very much appreciated. Thank you to our patrons too. That's very much appreciated, supporting the show and all that. And yeah, we're going to do it there for episode 36. We will see you next week for episode 37. Until then, take care of yourselves. Have a great week. And may the force be with you always. <laughs>